Hi, welcome to another broadcast. This is episode number 44, and it is entitled, What's Next After a Month of Intermittent Fasting? I'm Donna Reesh, your teacher and your host for the Intermittent Fasting Journal broadcast. And I'm excited today to answer some questions and to bring some information to you about what is next after a month of intermittent fasting. Um, if you've been fasting for longer than that, I think you can still learn some things. And if you have been fasting off and on, I definitely think you can learn some things. So I hope that you'll stay with me today. Um, I am... Uh, going live here in my Facebook group. So if you are watching this on YouTube later on, come over to Facebook, Donna's Intermittent Fasting uh, Group, and join the free Facebook group where I teach both these broadcasts as well as fast shots um, all the time. So anyway, I'm so glad you could join me today. Now, first of all, a little bit of journal information. Um, and I wanted to bring this up because I think that it's important that whenever we have a problem, as far as intermittent fasting teachers and leaders that we solved or that we're in the process of solving or that we're looking for a solution to, that we bring that to you and for a couple of reasons. First of all, to show, you know, that nobody has it perfect, nobody has it all together, Every, nobody, you know, knows exactly what they're doing all the time, but also to teach you how to think through and to process situations when you're trying to solve difficulties that you might be having. So um, the uh, little trick a tricky situation that we've been having has to do with our fasting window um, because of my husband's work. And I know that this is something that affects a lot of people. I personally have changed since I started working out strength training, which was different than aqua aerobics and things like that. Since I started strength training and I burned through my glycogen stores pretty quickly in the mornings. And um, so I don't feel like fasting as long, or should I say, I don't feel like fasting as late into the day. And I uh, read this and heard this a lot with intermittent fasters who are doing strength training. And so, you know, they'll, I know uh, one teach, one intermittent fasting teacher, a course that I took, she also changed her hours. And I was like, wow, that makes sense. You know, because if you remember right, there are three ways to get into ketosis. One is through fasting, one is through the keto diet, and one is through strength training or HIIT training where you burn through those glycogen stores and then you are in a, um, in a fat burning state more quickly. And that can happen fast and it can make you feel a little bit off when it happens so quickly. Because when we're fasting, we are used to going into ketosis and getting into that fasted state over a period of time as our glycogen stores are naturally decreased. But when you work out and you burn through them fast, then it can have a little bit of a negative effect. And I had to work through that in the same way that I had to work through learning to fast. So I had to up my um, magnesium. I had to up my mineral water to where I always had to have one on the way or right before I went to the gym or on the way to the gym and then one while I was working out. So I always had two bottles of mineral water within the first hour or two of the morning. And so, you know, we have workarounds and I think it's important that we share those and that we learn from those. So because I moved my fasting window around a little bit, um, it's been really difficult for my husband and I to fast together. So sometimes just because of my workout schedule and everything, I will still open my window at the same time, 12 or one, and then maybe keep it open a little bit longer to eat with him. And um, 
it the, it hasn't been a really big issue um, because uh, I have just placed a bigger emphasis on opening my eating window with something really healthy. And so that way I'm not, um, I'm satisfying, I'm, I'm hearing leptin signals better from eating real foods. And I am also not causing what will often happen is when you open your window with something non-real, or you open your window with something snacky or a processed food, then that can start a cascade of cravings throughout your eating window. And so that in that case, and I know this is how I began intermittent fasting. If you remember, I started intermittent fasting so I could eat whatever I wanted, right? And so in that case, then you have this problem where you're, you are grazing during your whole eating window, and it's really hard to get control of your eating during that time. So I've been fasting shorter, 17 and 18. I'm, I'm averaged 18. So averaging 18 hours of fasting. But making sure that, you know, like, like today I had, um, what did I have? I had an apple and a salad um, and um, some light popcorn just in passing. And then I stopped because then I want to have definite eating times as opposed to just grazing the whole time through. So uh, that's just a tip for you that we have been learning to uh, work on. Also with that, another thing that we've been working on is uh, when I first began intermittent fasting, because I came from several years of attempts at keto and definitely averaging more like 100 carbs a day, just doing more of a lower carb, lower to moderate carb, because of that, um, I always try to open my eating window with a low carb snack. And I couple of cautions for you there. Um, low carb can mean high calorie. So you can actually open your eating window with something low carb and eat like an 800 or 900, 1,000 calorie snack, which is really too caloric for a, a window opening snack, right? I mean, unless you're a man and you're, you know, weigh 200 pounds and you're six foot tall, right? And so that's one caution that I would have for you. Another caution that I would have for you is not to confuse low carb with real. I know for years and years, you know, I looked at it as low carb was healthy, non-low carb wasn't healthy. And so because I looked at it that way, when I was doing low carb, it didn't matter if I was eating, I didn't like pork rinds, but something like pork rinds and processed cheese and, um, you know, bacon, not that I, bacon is a real food, but I mean, you can definitely eat too much bacon, uh, bacon, um, fried chicken, you know, things that are fattier, but aren't necessarily always real. So back to those two cautions. The first caution is that if you do open with something low carb, you don't have such calorie dense foods, right? Because remember, one of the four ways we lose, and I talk about this a lot, four ways we lose, one of those is skimming calories off. And we're not going to skim calories off if we eat such calorie dense foods all the time. This is not to say that healthy fats like you know avocados and eggs and meats and nuts and things like that aren't good. I'm just saying if, we're, if our focus is opening with a low carb snack, we can eat too many calories, number one. Number two, if our focus is 
opening with a low carb snack, we could also eat uh, unreal foods. So we have been changing our focus away from opening with the low carb snack and instead of opening with real food. So in that case, it doesn't matter if it's bananas and oatmeal, just so it's real, right? And we have, I have been learning a process of not demonizing a certain macro. You know, if you're in the low carb camp, then, or keto camp, you're, you're demonizing carbs. If you're in the low fat camp, you're demonizing fat. Right. And so I have come to a place after lots and lots and lots of research and um, being completely addicted to Stephen Guillenay's teaching uh, on YouTube and in his book, The Hungry Brain. Now to learn, I'm not demonizing a macro. I'm eating real foods. And that has been really, really helping me feel good. It's been helping me with car with cravings and um, uh, weight loss is slow. Um, but that's because of all the parties. That has nothing to do with real food. All right, lots and lots of parties. Okay, um, so I'm going to talk more about how you can adopt more real foods uh, uh, down below. So when we are working, when we're working towards eating more real foods, we are also working with appetite correction that's in place because appetite correction will be in the form of two things: not overeating, which is so cool to be able to stop eating. Um, at, after dinner, right, or whatever your whenever your eating window closes, and then secondly, a desire to eat more healthy foods. So that that um, working towards eating more real foods kind of is working alongside of appetite correction. There's a thing that um, I have really, really embraced throughout my supplement journey. Most of you know that I have used um, supplements by plant-based supplements, Plexus, for three years. And together, Ray and I have lost over 140 pounds since we began taking those supplements. But through the supplements and now through teaching IF, teaching in both venues, I have learned that um, it's super, super important to see the changes that are taking place and embrace them. So in the case of supplements, I would tell people, you know, when the supplement does this for you, when it gives you better sleep, go to bed. When it helps you with sugar cravings, cut sugar, reduce sugar. You know, and now the same thing is true with intermittent fasting. When you have these benefits of appetite correction and you feel them working, utilize them. Don't just say, well, I have, like for me, I would be really full, but I knew that I could eat M&Ms you know, peanut M&M's are my favorite. I knew that I could eat peanut M&M's or Dove candy bar and make room because that is called um, food-specific satiation. And we can be completely satiated but still have room for dessert, still have room for, you know, um, peanut M&M's. They're very small, right? And we'd still have room for those. Well, so that is what I would say we're working against appetite correction. So we're full. Our stomach distensibility is full. We have had enough food. We could be satisfied until our fast ends tomorrow. But instead, we go around appetite correction and we still eat something that we make room for. So just like I teach in my supplements, work with your supplements, work with the good things that are happening to your body with intermittent fasting. And one of those is appetite correction. And really keying in on that and utilizing that um, to your benefit. So what to expect, uh, or what's next, uh, 
after a month of intermittent fasting. And um, the reason that actually this topic came up is through my intermittent fasting course, the uh, intermittentfastingcourse.com, intermittentfastingcourse.com. Through my course, during the last week, I have a live Q&A. So three weeks of teaching and then live Q&A. And this was one of the questions, okay, so we're at the one month mark, you know, we've been doing everything daily that you've given us to do. So what should we expect now? And so um, I just thought, you know what, this is just a really good topic for everybody because, um, you know, those of us who've been fasting for a while, we know kind of what happened with us. So we can share our experiences and we can also give you things to watch out for and things to focus on uh, now that you're a month in. So like I said, if you're more than a month in, I think this will still apply. And if you are just dabbling or thinking about intermittent fasting, I definitely think that this will help you as well. All right, so um, I've broken it down into two areas. Uh, one is what to expect after one month uh, in terms of your fasting hours. And the other one is what to expect um, after one month in terms of your eating window. So kind of broken it up into the two, two halves. Now, just as a little aside, for those of you who haven't heard me talk on and on and on and on about the four ways we lose inches and uh, pounds through intermittent fasting. Three of the four have to do with the fasting window. One of the four ways that we lose inches and pounds has to do with um, reducing our calories, skimming calories off the top, right? Just making those caloric changes gradually and then our bodies adjusting to that. So I say that to say um, when people say, do I focus on the fasting time or do I focus on the eating time, it's important to note that three of the four uh, weight and inch loss um, results come from the fasting window and one comes from the eating window. So if you focus on one to the exclusion of the other, you're not going to have the results that you want, right? Um, so if you focus, for example, on the eating window and you don't fast for 16, 18, 20 hours, whatever your fasting window might be, then you're going to not reap the three-fourths of the benefits, right? And you're basically on a low-calorie diet at that point. If you focus only on the fasting window, and this is what a lot of people want to do. I know this is what I wanted to do when I first started intermittent fasting. If you focus only on the fasting window, then you cut out the caloric reduction portion, um, which is where the pounds will really come off from. So um, keep in mind those four ways. Uh, where where did I just put that? That was in the recent fast shot called um, uh, to shorting short short eating windows versus long eating windows. So that is in a fast shot video at donnerish.com. Okay, so after one month of fasting, uh, these are the things that I think you should focus on. First of all. Focus on getting your 16 to 20 hours, whatever your fast might be. If you're doing a 16-8, 17-7, 18-6, 19-5, whatever that might be. And maybe it's one, you know, a certain time during the week and then longer on the weekends. That's how ours usually fall. But, um, or whenever our special occasions with our family members pop up. <laughs> and so uh, that we might want to have two meals on occasion, like a lunch and a dinner. We try to really do, make one a snack and the other one a meal just for the caloric benefit, but um, get to 16 to 20 hours incrementally. So this is for those who are at the one mark month, one month mark, 
and you still don't feel like you are where you want to be with your fasting hours or you are working on fasting and you just can't seem to get above X number of hours but you want to be at a certain number of hours so first of all it's really easy to say well other people seem to be able to do this so easily and just to really get bogged down and want to give up or stop beat yourself up you know because you can't seem to get to that level so first of all we have to understand that there are tremendous health benefits starting at the 12-hour fasting mark starting at reducing our daily eating episodes from 10 12 times that we take in calories to you know two three or four you know depending on whether you have a snack and a meal and a dessert or whatever that might be there are tremendous health benefits at the 12 hour fasting mark and um, it's probably more similar to how we were intended to live and because we certainly didn't just have you know bags of chips in the pantry and um, yogurts in the refrigerator and you know bananas on the counter all the time so uh, I think that's an important place to start because it, if your purpose is more than just weight management, then you'll want to observe the fact that 12 hours, even if 12 hours at a starting point of fasting is going to be something that's going to benefit you. All right, then do a more incremental approach if you're having trouble upping your hours. Um, again, it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. And when we think, when we want to go from a 12-hour fast to an 18-hour fast immediately, and we're not succeeding at that, then we can feel like a failure overall. When in reality, there are other ways to get to that 18-hour mark. That 18-hour mark doesn't have to be obtained tomorrow, going from 12 to 18 hours. So I think it's really important that you you see how it's working for you and rather than saying I just can't get to 18 hours or whatever you're trying to get to rather than saying I just can't get there instead say I know I can get there if I take a different approach right so that different approach for you might be more incremental so I put a link um, in to the freebie that I have the intermittent fasting startup charts and chart number four is the one that's the incremental approach. And I think that will really help you see, you know what, it's okay. This week, I'll go to 15 hours. Next week, I'll go to 16 hours. And see it as a lifelong lifestyle type of, um, of uh, approach as opposed to, I got to get to 18 hours, you know, like I have to get to 20 carbs a day on keto or whatever. Don't see it as that. See it as a lifestyle. Focus on getting the fast. Another thing that we do, and, and my husband and I have taught parenting, we've taught homeschooling, we taught our own children, as you know, seven of them for uh, 32 years of homeschooling. And uh, the we had success in our marriage, our parenting, our homeschooling, everything we tried to do when we accepted the fact that we shouldn't try to make too many changes at one time. And this is true in all areas of life. And those of us who are all or nothing people have a problem with this. And we need to take a step back and say, I don't need to change everything immediately. I don't need to change everything today. And I have a productivity teaching at DonnaReach.com on this because it was when we adopted the one change a week or one change a month. Sometimes it was a weekly change. Sometimes it was a monthly change. When we adopted that in our home, we had great success. All right. When I made a master list of everything that needs changed immediately 
and we're going to sit down this weekend and we're going to change these things, right, 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 right? That is when we didn't have success. So making your changes uh, a little bit at a time. And so for when you're starting to enter it a fast, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I've heard of people, you know, they're, I'm starting to fast 20 hours. I'm going down to 1,200 calories. I am going to the gym in the morning and the evening. And they're just, they're trying to do too many things at one time. And then, you know, when they don't succeed, they say, well, I tried fasting, I couldn't do it, or I tried to lose weight and I couldn't do it, or whatever it is. So making incremental changes. Now, I am eight pounds away from losing 100 pounds in 10 years, maybe even 12 years, um, if I look back really when it really first began. Don't go that slow. <laughs> all right, that can get discouraging. But, but I say all that to say, I've learned so much throughout these 12 years and I've made permanent, serious lifestyle changes as a result of taking a long time. 12 years might be a bit much, but hey, at the end and very soon, I will be able to say I lost and kept off 100 pounds. So uh, the other time I lost 100 pounds was only, it was under a year um, when I lost 100 pounds uh, 25, 28 years ago and I only kept it off for two weeks, so there you go. <laughs> All right, so um, focus on getting the fast, not trying to make too many changes at one time, and uh, not trying to restrict your eating window so much. The second part of this is going to be um, what you need to know in a month in your eating window, and if you have fasting down pat, then focus on your eating window. Again, don't focus on so many things at one time. Um, so then also being flexible, and being flexible goes back to the whole lifestyle thing. Every time we're too rigid with something, we don't do it. We don't stick with it. We don't stay with it. Um, I just saw this gal on Facebook who had been teaching a very rigid approach to food and she had a lot of clients and, um, oh my word, she looks so fantastic. And uh, I was like, whoa, is that an old picture of her? And it kind of broke my heart a little bit because that's happened to me so many times. I've lost, I've lost sit down to what she was. Like I said, I only did that one other time and only lasted for two weeks, but it broke my heart because she was, she was not having clients anymore and she was, and she gained, you know, back a lot of the weight. And, um, I was just thinking, Oh, it was just too rigid. It was just too, it wasn't sustainable, you know, and, and it broke my heart because I remember how broken hearted I was when I read, when I lost those hundred pounds many years ago, and then I got pregnant and I, again, and I just gained it all back. And then I was bigger than ever. And I looked back and I thought, you know, because I was too rigid. I was at 800 calories a day by the end of that. And I walked um, at least six miles a day, sometimes eight or 10, pulling a wagon full of children. And um, it broke my heart because I knew how brokenhearted I had been when I couldn't, couldn't maintain it. So... The flexibility that we need to adopt in intermittent fasting is not a flexibility that gives us immediate, tremendous weight loss. It's a flexibility that makes it a lifestyle. It's a flexibility that allows us to keep going and doing this for forever, right? So without flexibility, you'll be tempted to go off and on because your rigidity will cause you to say, well, I'm just going to go off that. I'm just going to go off that. But if you make it flexible, there will be no reason to go off and on. So I say don't freak out over longer or shorter fasting days, right? 
if you have a 17-hour fast on a Sunday, and you have a 21-hour fast on a Monday, that's pretty much typical of my weekly schedule every single week. Don't, don't freak out and say, well, I didn't succeed yesterday. I only had 17 hours. Instead, you know, look at the whole big picture and keep flexibility as the center of your core there. All right. So follow all your startup fasting advice while you're increasing your fasting hours. I think that we, especially if it's been a long time, if we've been trying this for several months, we can forget some of those earlier lessons, the earlier lessons that will make it a lot easier for us. So I put some links here to a restart, restarting intermittent fasting. That's a video. And I was 20 pounds heavier. I looked at that video today. I was like, whoa, I should get rid of that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, IF Startup Options, that's an article and a video, and five ways to start intermittent fasting. So if you are trying to increase your hours, keep some of those foundational things in place, the drinking of the water, the uh, pink Himalayan salt if you need it, the um, coffee, the tea. Um, um, some people drink lemonade. Uh, sugar-free lemonade, like stevia sweetened lemonade. I personally can't do that, but my husband can. So if, you know, whatever you can do, uh, that helps you with the fast. Keeping hydrated, uh, mineral water. Like I said, that's a huge thing for me with uh, doing strength training. So um, keep those things going uh, while you're trying to increase your fasting hours. All right, I'm going to move into what to expect after a month of IF, your eating window. And uh, I actually have been working on this uh, advanced appetite correction because I've done some appetite correction videos in the past, but I have one I'm working on right now called advanced appetite correction. And it's already two parts. And the first part is leptin and ghrelin and like more like the hormonal approach. And the second part is the brain, uh, the brain approach, um, because I've learned so much from the hungry brain about, uh, uh, about controlling food intake as well. So, um, I say all that to say this is just going to be a shortened version because I have all that coming up. And I really am going to do that in episode 45. I keep saying that and then I keep getting another topic that somebody asks me about. So, so ghrelin will continue to be tamed. All right, we control our um, ghrelin through intermittent fasting in a way that we can't do very easily with any other eating approach. And there is a number of reasons, there are a number of reasons for that. One reason being that every time we eat, um, you know, we spike our blood sugar and we want more and more and more, especially if we are eating uh, processed foods or not real food. That always makes us want to eat more and more and more. Um, your body will also continue to adjust to the new clock hunger. So clock hunger means that whatever time you were hungry yesterday is what time you're going to be hungry today. And that's another reason why sometimes a slower startup is good for people because they don't have to deal with that a.m. clock hunger for breakfast, uh, you know, 11 a.m. clock hunger for a snack, 1 p.m. clock hunger for lunch, 3 p.m. clock hunger for an afternoon snack. And those snacks can be anything from, you know, a five, 400, 500 calorie Starbucks drink to, you know, a handful of jelly beans. But every single time we have built in this clock hunger, in other words, our body wants to eat at the same time as it ate yesterday. And so as you adjust your eating, your fasting window, and you lengthen it to the time that you want to end up with, or the approximate time you want to end up with, all through that process, your body will continue to adjust to the clock hunger. 
So, um, and it's when we have that clock hunger. It's when we have that moment that, you know, oh man, why am I so hungry today? And then we realize it's because, you know, yesterday at this time we were eating and so forth. So we also have the added um, uh, problem of, um, um, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought on that. So your body's going to continue to adjust to that. So just let it adjust gradually, knowing that every time you have a successful fast, whether it's 16, 17, 18, whatever you're working on hours, you are train you're training that ghrelin. Okay, ghrelin um, is released from the fundus, the top of the stomach, and um, it's also released from some other places, but that's a primary place. And so that's why we want to trick it with water. You know, we want to uh, balance our electrolytes so that because hunger and electrolytes are so easily confused, uh, we might be, you know, short on minerals or short on electrolytes, and then it feels like hunger. So we want to get rid of every every potential problem, right, so that we can fast successfully. Um, but your gut, your body's going to continue to adjust to that, and eventually your body will be like, I don't remember eating at 8 a.m. I don't remember eating a snack at 10. I don't remember eating lunch at 12. I don't remember having a coffee at 2, you know, or whatever, depending on what your, your fasting schedule is. Um, and consistency is paramount in taming ghrelin. So when we go off and on from fasting, and that's why I say have, fle have enough flexibility so you don't go off and on. All you're doing is tweaking your hours, but you're not like, forget it. I may as well just forget it and just eat you know, 10 times today. I may as well just eat six times. I may as well just forget it and have, you know, breakfast, a mid-morning snack, lunch, whatever that might be. Um, that the consistency is so important because every time we do something like that, we go backwards in taming our ghrelin and keeping our insulin low and in our hunger. So we're just going to go backwards and it's going to be like we're starting over again. So you're going to hear leptin signals better and better. Um, as time goes on. And like I mentioned, I got this advanced appetite control, uh, appetite correction uh, coming up uh, very soon. I got to quit working on it and do it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just go a little crazy there. And sometimes I just need to stop and just record. You know what I mean? All right. And, th and then also I talked about 11 ways in the email. It just went out. So 11 ways that we can help with the food window, with the eating window. And um, we can do, learn to do things that cause us to hear leptin better. Now, hearing leptin is going to be a better, it's going to be a process. Um, because generally speaking, it's not a, an, a, the amount of leptin because we usually have enough leptin being released. It's usually just the hearing of it. And it's like a, a radio transmission that's all blurry or, you know, our kids have their earbuds in and we're talking and talking and talking to them, but they're not responding to us. And it's not that we're not talking, it's that they're not hearing. And so that is the way it is with leptin. And so our, it's not that we need, you know, leptin increase. It's that we need to be able to hear it better. And so fasting consistently is going to help us do that. Um, it is going, drinking water is going to help us do that. Not drinking calories will help us do that. Eating real foods is another help for leptin. And eating fibrous foods, eating protein, and exercising. Now, the funny thing about it is that the way you, you um, hear leptin better is to do everything right, right? And 
that is what we couldn't do before. <laughs> so if we couldn't do everything right to hear leptin, you know, how can we hear it now? Well, just fasting alone is going to be huge for hearing leptin. So we are on the right track and the right path to start hearing leptin better and better, and that's part of the appetite correction, and that it's that leptin, that hearing leptin, that causes us to be able to say, hmm, I still have food on my plate, but I'm, I'm really done. That is when you're hearing leptin better. You'll, when you, you'll also know you're hearing leptin better if you have a desire to move. Like, I just have this burning desire to exercise, and I never had that before. So uh, that is also from hearing leptin. So yes, there are things that we can do to make us hear leptin better. And yes, those are the very things that were hard that we couldn't do before. But fasting is going to be the first step to hearing leptin better. And then we're just going to keep on layering, layer upon layer upon layer, the changes that we can make as a result of balancing hormones, uh, getting the brain signals, changing our environment, just so many things. And for, for us, fasting was the, the beginning of it all. Fasting was where it all started. Fasting was what finally made us able to add these other layers on gradually. It wasn't like we weren't trying to before because, you know, three years of, I even wrote a low carb blog. I mean, I was trying everything to stay on uh, a keto approach. All right, so making the best choices and making specials just what they are. Again, get your fasting down. Once you have your fasting down, these other layers will happen. And then bring in boundaries as needed. So I mentioned this before that not grazing was big for me, having a snack, meal. If I still have room, space, time, um, I will have a snack or a dessert. All right. Uh, shorter eating window can also help if you are having a lot of problems with your food control. I think the food control in the eating window will, will, can be best served by eating real foods when you, snap, when you open your window or having a shorter eating window. Those are really the two things that are going to make the difference during the eating window. There are some other things that I'm going to teach about in the coming weeks of leptin, uh, the leptin protocols like um, protein fiber, things like that. But these are going to be the two big things. All right. And less processed foods. And I think that I know from myself, I'm able to do the 80-20 approach, which is 80% real healthy foods and 20% reach party foods, so to speak. I'm able to do that because I'm not villainizing anything. And I think when you stop villainizing foods, you're able to stay on anything so much better. And I can't remember where I just heard somebody say this, but it was really, it was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh, it was in an intuitive eating. Intuitive eating uh, protocols also teach this in that they say, I am fine not going ahead and having this dessert today because I can have it any day I want. And when you, when you do that, there's not this mad rush. I need to have it. I need to have it. Tomorrow's going to be low carb. I need to have it. I need to have it. Tomorrow's going to be low fat. I need to have it. I need to have it. Tomorrow's 800 calories and that won't fit. All right. When you're not doing that and you're not villainizing certain groups or certain foods and, and I'm big on cutting out sugar. I reduce sugar greatly as a result of intermittent fasting. I mean, like, like there'll be many days that I won't, that I only have sugar twice a week many weeks and I only have sugar twice a week, sometimes three times. And 
that's a big deal for me because I used to have sugar all the time. And so I'm, it's not like I'm saying just eat anything all the time, anything you want. I'm saying that when you take an 80-20 approach combined with fasting, you are able to not say, I need to have it now. You're able not to uh, be so restrictive that you just have to leave it, leave the protocol behind entirely. So it's kind of the same idea, you know, with our flexibility in our fasting window. So that is what I have today for the main presentation, what's next after a month of intermittent fasting. Like I said, episodes 45 and 46 are going to be advanced appetite correction. So invite your friends. We'll just have a big AC party here. And um, I'm going to talk about one of the Plexus products as our sponsor. I like to do the, the sponsor, the commercial for the podcast, broadcast, videocast at the end so people can hop off, they can stay on, whatever they like to do. But thank you so much for joining me for episode number 44, What's Next After a Month of Intermittent Fasting. And um, I hope that you will subscribe to DonnaReach.com and get those free startup charts um, and get the Calories In, Calories Out game. Get a couple of those freebies where I do some more, some deeper teaching and more extensive teaching um, about things that are specific to starting fasting uh, in the first couple of months. So thank you for joining me. Those of you who are staying on, I am going to talk about MetaBurn. So MetaBurn is our newest product in Plexus, in the Plexus lineup. And um, Plexus has 20 to 22 plant-based products. Uh, they are all a plant-based botanical uh, 100%, which means like even their coloring and their flavoring, like in the case of this Plexus Slim, it is um, sweetened with um, stevia and it's colored with beetroot. So uh, yeah, I know. Who would have I have beets? I eat beets every day. Such a healthy girl. Anyway, <laughs> I never eat beets. Um, I don't even like to like touch beets. I mean, anyway. So, um, but. Uh, everything is all natural. So this plant-based MetaBurn is our newest product, and it it's heralded as a um, metabolism booster and a fat fighter and a mood enhancer. But because it has adaptogens, uh, which are absolutely amazing, uh, I it's just really a feel-good kind of product. It's really, really amazing. So let me tell you what's in it. So first of all, the adaptogens. Adaptogens, and I didn't even know what they were until recently, but adaptogens are groups of herbs known as herbal adaptogens or tonic herbs, and they have long been used to strengthen immunity, improve energy, and enhance the body's ability to handle stress. So um, those of you who have, like, um, this is especially a good product for people who have adrenal fatigue and people who have high levels of cortisol and so forth. Now, I teach, I can't remember which one, one of the recent broadcasts. Adana Rish, uh, my tech girl, has two indexes. One index is for all the fast shots. One index is for all of the larger, longer broadcasts like these. And they and then there then it has a summary of each one so you can see at a glance which one it's about and one of the late 30s i believe it was was all about cortisol so you can check that out if you have a if you are have a lot of stress and you don't sleep well um, then uh, that was that is something that adaptogens really help with so um, according to whole new mom quote aptogens 
Adaptogens protect us against stress and help us achieve balance by several means that are associated with the HPA axis and by acting on mediators of stress response, including cortisol and nitric oxide, NO. So there are a lot of ways to lower your cortisol naturally, even without natural products. And that's what I taught in one of the recent broadcasts. Uh, that Some of those things include meditation, gratitude journaling, yoga, um, listening to music, uh, especially instrumental, uh, things like that. Um, but the adaptogens can really come in and turn people around who have uh, those high cortisol levels. It helps uh, help the body adapt to stress, non-toxic, and helps the body achieve homeostasis. So MetaBurn itself is used to help break through weight loss plateaus, helps reduce belly fat and hip fat. Um, a lot of times people who have like beer bellies kind of things, especially females or people who don't necessarily drink a lot of beer, they have, uh, that is as a result of high cortisol levels. So, you know, somebody who's trying to lose body fat, belly fat, and just really can't seem to move it a lot of time, and maybe they'll lose weight other places, but not in their belly or maybe not in their hips, just one certain place like that, then um, uh, that can be a result of cort high cortisol levels. Um, Metaburn helps support a healthy mood, increases energy, increases fat burning, helps with cortisol, helps with sleep, and is known to increase libido. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, the adaptogens that are in Metaburn specifically, there are uh, rhodiola rosea, rosea, grains of paradise, astrogen, which is astragal, oh, I forgot to look this up. I was going to listen to how to say this, astragalus. Chinese ginseng, and guarana. So um, those are five adaptogens that are specifically in uh, Metaburn. Other ingredients includes, include N-acetyl-L-tyrosine, L-theanine, green tea extract, which is also called true tea, and 5-HTP, which is a natural antidepressant. Uh, it's recommended that you don't take 5-HTP if you're on antidepressants because you're like, kind of taking two antidepressants at the same time. 5-HTP is a natural antidepressant, and you can buy that by itself, just 5-HTP. Um, but it's recommended that you not take 5-HTP at the same time as you take a, a prescription or pharmaceutical antidepressant. All right, so rhodiola rosea, that is the, the adaptogen that um, is uh, really uh, shines in Metaburn. It's also known as arctic root. And this has been uh, a game changer. I've been on some message boards and some groups just about adaptogens in general, not about the Plexus products, but about adaptogens. And this rhodiola rosea, um, I mean, people, you know, we can't say this as Plexus ambassadors, but people in those in those groups, not with Metaburn, just with the adaptogen rhodiola rosea are like, talking about going off of a bunch of anti-anxiety things and uh, sleeping for the first time in so many years and things like that as a result of this one adaptogen. So um, I was very impressed uh, upon my research of this. Um, and I love, love, love this product. It just chillaxes me. I adore it. So anyway, uh, this uh, rhodiola rosea reduces stress without disrupting the body's biological function. So a lot of times when we take something to reduce stress that's a pharmaceutical, we are actually either uh, 
disrupting a biological function or trying to augment it, like in the case of trying to make us release serotonin, for example. But um, this will this reduces stress without disrupting the body's biological function. Reduces fatigue and stress. It reduces 21st century stress from overstimulation, depression, etc. Improves energy and mental focus. Love, love, love. Just to take this in the morning, go work out, come back home, write, prepare, study, read, edit, teach. Ah, so cool. Um, reduces anxiety, which um, Plexus Slim also does that. That helped me with my flight anxiety. Works by improving serotonin and dopamine levels. Counteracts the effects of cortisol. So we all have cortisol, and cortisol is not a horrible, terrible thing, but we don't want it to be high all the time. So we have what's called 21st century high cortisol levels, which cortisol was made to rise in emergencies. So, you know, we were, you know, sound very cliched, but, you know, being chased by a lion or a bear or something like that, and we were running, you know, uh, away, then we wanted the cortisol to be high. We want the um, adrenaline to be high, all of those different hormones and chemicals. Um, but our current cortisol situation for many of us is chronic high cortisol. In other words, it's not just peaking because we need it. Instead, it's staying uh, staying at like a, a raise, not necessarily as high as when a, and a lion is chasing us, but it's staying high all the time. And uh, so uh, rhodiola rosea counteracts the effects of cortisol, reduces pockets of fat, especially belly fat. Um, this one is hard for me to know the effect that this has had on me because I started doing a pretty serious strength training. I mean, I'm not that many pounds of, have a lot of reps though. <laughs> I'm not that many pounds yet, but you know, in my lifting, but I started that at the, about the same time as I started this. So yes, I definitely have gone down. I have pants and jeans that fit all the time, but that was already happening with intermittent fasting. Um, and then when I started strength training, it seemed to be you know even better, but I don't know if it's strength training, the rhodiola rosea, or a combination of the two. And it, it enhances cognitive function. So basically does a lot of things that intermittent fasting can do for us. Uh, the grains of paradise, that is the, another one of the um, adaptogens, and it has 20 plus health benefits. It is anti-inflammatory, boosts testosterone, which, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't want to boost testosterone. I don't want high levels of testosterone. That's, you know, like for a man or whatever. But we need testosterone to build muscle. We need to build muscle to burn more fat. We want to burn more fat so we can eat more food. So there you go. Anyway, um, Grains of Paradise also activates brown fat. Now, I didn't get to study this as much as I wanted to, uh, but I know that the people in the fitness world are all about uh, activating brown fat. So the brown fat has to be activated in order for it to be lost, and they're only Grains of Paradise, the adaptogen, and cold activation are the two primary uh, functions or primary protocols that activate brown fat and get rid of white fat in the process. So personally, I would rather take a plant-based supplement than get in these cold cryptogenic, cryptogenic, these cold ice baths that all these fitness people are getting into to activate their brown fat. So 
I am not all about the coldness. I don't like cold showers. <laughs> um, and, and they say you get used to it and it's good for you. It buffers your body, develop self-discipline and all that. But I'm just going to keep on taking my MetaBurn. <laughs> and uh, also, there are a lot of uh, studies that I, you can see at my store. Um, one is a double-blind placebo study for women taking grains of paradise, showing a significant decrease in abdomen, hips, and thigh fat. That was a um, pretty extensive study. All right, so um, that is what I have for you about MetaBurn. So this product, uh, a lot of people combine this if they want weight loss and they want appetite suppressant too. They take this, the combination that they would do for this would be this and our Hunger Control Slim. So that's what a lot of people start out taking uh, if they're not doing the gut health protocol, which is our Triplex. So thank you so much for joining me for my little infomercial there. Uh, Plexus is the sponsor of uh, this. Uh, podcast broadcast I don't have um, other commercials that's all I have is Plexus and uh, you there's a link to our store there you can also try a free sample of Plexus control Plexus slim hunger control or the uh, gut health one either one we have both samples of those I have a meta burn info sheet for you a meta burn video and uh, another one about how it reduces stress and cortisol levels and um, you can see all of that at the end of the outline. So thanks again for joining me. I hope this has been a help to you, and I look forward to seeing you in either the next Fast Shot or episode number 45, uh, Appetite Correction Part 1. And be sure to send me your questions if I can help you with anything. Thanks.